Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch, Mets Musing. Thank you very much. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 324. And I am speechless. That's right. I don't know what the heck to say. I don't know what's going on anymore with this team. This has just been a horrible week, and it doesn't seem to be any relief in sight. We used to think that about Philadelphia, but they come off a sweep in the San Francisco Giants, who swept the Cubs, I think, before that. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just know. I, I, it, it, it's beyond words to me. What has happened to this team? But I do have someone who has verbally put it so well. And let's get right to that. Our voicemails from my former host, co-host, Barry. And Barry sums it up amazingly well. Hey, Gary. It's your former musings partner, Barry, checking in rather quickly after phoning in something from what I suspected could be possible four episodes ago, an alternate universe where the Fab Five were pitching in rotation together, players were returning from injuries sooner instead of later, and the Metsies were playing winning baseball and were fundamentally sound while doing it. Four weeks later, everything is turned around, and we have seen some of the worst baseball played by the Orange and Blue in years. Unless they hit home runs, and they seldom do that right now, they do not score. The starting pitching outside of the big two has been horrific. The pen has come back to earth. The defense and base running have been horrible. The injuries are piling up just like they did when they had the medical and training staff. We all knew had to go. And now the manager, who could do no wrong at the start of the season, seems to be making enough head-scratching decisions on a regular basis, twice pinching lefties against a lefty pitcher, using a position player instead of a pitcher to pinch run, which left him with Thomas Nito to pinch it with two outs in the ninth inning, and so many questionable pitching moves. I do not even know where to start, but I will say two words to that, Hansel Robles. I wonder if indeed Mickey C. is in way over his head for now. Also, why couldn't the Mets have gotten a bench coach who had some previous experience coaching in the National League? Because it seems like the Mets don't double switch when they should, and vice versa. Versa. One egregious example being in the Wednesday game when Mickey brought in Seth Lugo to pitch the ninth inning and ended up having him for only one inning because he needed a pinch hitter for the top of the tenth. When instead he could have double switched Lugo and Conforto at his sub 200 average with Juan Lagares, who was clearly no favorite of Callaway, and gotten additional innings out of Lugo. And of course, that was the game the Mets batted at a turn which temporarily, anyway, brought them back to the laughing stock status they achieved during the Bertie Madoff fiasco. That didn't even happen during the glory days of Art Howe or Jeff Torborg. 
Oh, yeah, and the misdiagnosis of injuries to two of their three best players this past weekend did not help their cause at all. I thought the days of getting Cespi's quad and hip mixed up, along with the unequivocally saying a starting pitcher would make his next start, only to be put on the DL, which basically every Mets fan knew is what they should have done immediately after Jake left his last start, went away after TC departed, but obviously I was wrong about that. Finally, good riddance to the dark night and good luck pitching in Cincinnati where there is not much, if any, nightlife. Maybe you can make your primary focus on baseball and attempt to reinvent yourself and save your career, though the odds will be against you having to pitch in that bandbox ballpark. I know about it, and I'm not dismissing those two horrific surgeries, but life is not always fair. In fact, it seldom is. And maybe Harvey got in great shape and fooled himself a little and the Mets a lot with a decent spring training into thinking that his comeback would be smoother and easier when in fact spring training stats mean little or nothing at all. When you party 100 miles away from where your team is staying while sporting one of the worst starting pitcher stats in the game over the past three seasons and flip off the media, a confrontation neither you nor any other athlete can ever win, you get no sympathy from me. Kudos to Sandy, who I am beginning to have major issues on his tenure as GM with because the Major League team is so flawed, has absolutely no organizational depth, and the farm system is so barren. But kudos to Sandy for actually getting a warm body back for Harvey and at a position of tremendous need for the Mets. It certainly took Sandy long enough to get a major league catcher. So, Gary, I have to admit that you probably have been right about Alderson as a general manager all along. So where does that leave the boys from flushing? Probably in the worst possible place as an in-between team, not bad enough to do a total rebuild on, though that day could come sooner than later, especially if any of the only three really good players, Cespedes, DeGrom, and Thor, get hurt and are out for a while, but certainly not good enough to compete with the elite of the National League and in the not-too-distant not future, and possibly as early as this year, teams like the Braves and Phillies in their division, clearly teams with younger and more athletic players. The only thing the Mets might have going for them is that no NL team, including the supposed big three at the start of the season, L.A., Washington, and the Cubbies, appears that strong, and if everything breaks right, they could remain in contention for a postseason berth. Anyway, Gary, as hard as it might be, I will try to stay optimistic, keep the faith, and let's go Mets. And thank you, Barry, for uh, bringing some sanity to this whole mess that's been going on. I, I, you know, like Barry said, they, they couldn't hire a bench coach that has National League experience. They went with an experienced bench coach. And make no mistake, this order, lineup order thing is 100% on the bench coach. Now, I know Callaway took the blame, and everybody's going to say he should have checked it out. But, you know, a manager has a thousand things to do. He's meeting with the press. He's checking on injuries. He's doing all sorts of things. The bench coach's responsibility on pretty much every team across baseball is to triple check quadruple check that lineup card to make sure it is perfect and the Sarsenia missed the boat on that he didn't check it something went wrong that's bad enough the other stuff's on Callaway but it's also on the bench coach because the bench coach is there 
to advise the manager. Should advise them, hey, you're sending up Nimmo against the lefty? You're sending up this lefty against the lefty pitcher? Shouldn't do that. Hey, we can double switch here. This is the problem when you hire an American League management team and you play in the National League. It's a different game. It's a more thinking game. And now we're seeing the results of that. Doesn't mean I, I say get rid of any of them. But, you, you know, this is on Alderson. And yes, kudos for getting a, a, a live human being that breathes and can play a position somewhat for Matt Harvey. That was a stroke of genius. But the fact of the matter is, he should have had a catcher in camp here before the in spring training. Someone better than Nido or Lobatron. And that's no knock on those guys. Nido came from double A. He was clearly overmatched here. He's young. Lobaton has never been a very good uh offensive catcher or or he's been okay defensively, but never been a an offensive catcher, obviously. If he was, he probably wouldn't be playing for the Mets. But once again, Sandy going to the scrap heap. Going the cheap route. And and this is why we're in this situation now. It's got to fall on him. The, the, the uh, failure of the farm system to produce, that's on him. His draft choices have been not good. There are a few exceptions. Conforto, though he's struggling this year, still a good draft pick. Think it'll be a good draft pick. Nimmo, good draft pick, but you got to play the guy. We don't know yet about Justin Dunn, Anthony Kay, David Peterson. Alonzo looks like a good draft pick. But what about all the other guys that have fallen by the wayside and a bunch of playing independent ball now? They're not even in the system. That's on Alderson. The lack of depth of catcher is on Alderson. He could have signed somebody else other than Adrian Gonzalez, but hey, it was cheap to get Adrian Gonzalez. Could have, could have signed somebody instead of Jason Vargas, but I guess he was the only one they could talk into taking that amount of money. So now we're stuck with Vargas. Who should be gone or in the bullpen? Or in AAA trying to work out his problems. You can't work out problems at the major league level. So where do we go from here? I, I haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue at all. But I do know this. If they are playing like this in July, this team should be blown up and start all over again. And I'm talking about shopping Cespedes, shopping Cabrera, cutting Gonzalez, cutting Reyes, and... Can I ask, why is Hansel Robles 
still on this team. His initials are HR, and he's very good at giving up HRs. So what is he still doing on this team? Got great stuff, but he, he, he serves up the home run ball. I'd rather see young guys. P.J. Conlon came up, did a nice little job. He floundered a little bit, but hey, first thought, looked good the first couple of innings. And they've been jack jacking him between uh, relieving and uh, uh, starting pitching anyway. So maybe he'd be better off as a reliever. But we'll never know unless they bring these guys up. And, you know, they said in spring training that if you learned your spot, you earned your spot, you will play. Well, why is Nimmo on a bench? Why is uh, why is Robles in a key game and Seawalt isn't? And why is Vargas in the rotation? Why is Matt's in the rotation? Harvey they pulled out of the rotation. And believe me, I'm glad to see Harvey go, but he had a shorter leash than anybody else. And is that fair? I I don't know what the answer is, but this is a crack in the armor for Mickey Calloway. And the fans are upset. And rightfully so. So, we will continue on and press forward. And hopefully the Mets can get something, something together to make a run at this division or at least a wild card. I know it's early yet, plenty of time, but they look dead already. They need something to spark them. Maybe they need Alonzo up here to play first base and hit you know one of his 400-foot homers or something. Maybe that'll get them going. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Dom Smith doesn't seem to want to be up here. He's not doing that great in, in AAA. So maybe you skip him. Maybe you send him back to Binghamton and bring up Alonzo. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. All right. We're going to take a break and be back. After this, with my guest. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com, or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. Baseball. 
with BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And joining me tonight is my good friend and pal and no stranger to this show, Rich Baxter of Phillies Talk, and he's going to let us in on the uh, Phillies and uh, what they've been up to since the last time we saw them. They're a lot better than we thought, but uh, Rich, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thank you very much, Gary. Nice to be back. All right, Rich. Well, um the Phillies are definitely a much better team than what we saw earlier in this year. Uh, what what do you uh, attribute to the uh, turnaround of this team? Well, the recent success of this team is uh, due to a large part by their offense. Uh, a lot of young guys have picked it up. Odubel Herrera has been a star on some nights. Other nights, it's been Michael Franco. Uh, the third baseman, um, and then other nights it's been Reese Hoskins who's been out in left field for the Phillies now that uh, they picked up a new first baseman in Carlos Santana. So between those trio of players, um, they've sort of carried the Phillies' offense, and then in the last couple games, the last two to three games, uh, Carlos Santana, who plays first base, uh, the Phillies got him from the Cleveland Indians, paid him a whole lot of money, and he's been under the Mendoza line so far with his batting average, but he's picked it up with like nine RBIs in the past two games, a couple of long home runs, and really has uh, solidified this Phillies offense so far. And, of course, Rich, you made a couple of uh, big acquisitions over the winter, bringing in, well, more towards the uh, spring training, I guess, bringing Jake Arrieta, and Carlos Santana over and uh, talk about a little bit about that. Arietta seems to have really settled down that pitching staff and and uh, uh, has got Nola pitching uh, tremendously. And uh, this other guy, uh, Velasquez, was pitching pretty good as well now. So talk a little bit about the uh, pitching staff there. Yeah, uh, Jake Arietta brought in on the off season. And that was what the Phillies need. They needed a, uh, veteran, uh, go-to guy. Uh, although as you said, Aaron Nola arguably has been a little bit better than Arietta so far, but Arietta has brought that winning, uh, world series type of player to the team. A guy that's been there before he's currently three and one with the Phillies. He had a couple rough 
last outings, uh, one with the Marlins, which was unexpected, and uh, his most recent starting. But uh, I believe you'll be seeing him facing the Mets on this weekend series, which would be uh, a pretty good matchup. Yes, unfortunately, we will see him this week, and uh, uh, he'll be facing Mats. Uh, I don't know why they didn't flip that and and have him go against Syndergaard. Now that would be even a better matchup, but uh, they're letting Mats pitch on Saturday. So, um, and and Carlos Santana, you mentioned him before, but uh, what has he brought to this team so far? Well, there was a lot of grumbling about Santana in the first uh, six weeks of the season here, uh, just before this week started. In fact, there was an article uh, earlier on um, last week about Santana and and how much longer the fans are going to give him a pass for. And they've treated him pretty good, considering his uh, batting average was in the 160s. Uh, for most of the first six weeks of the season. Um, but like I said, he's he's picked it up in the last couple games. He's really uh, piled up some RBIs. The other night he had five RBIs on the night, I believe, in the uh, series with the Giants, which the Phillies just swept the Giants in four games. Uh, they were one of the hottest teams in baseball, uh, and the Phillies cooled them right off. So he's he's had like nine RBIs and a couple of home runs in that giant series. So uh, the theory is that people think that he's finally comfortable in Philadelphia. He's notoriously a slow starter, which I've been told uh, on different broadcasts and listened to. So hopefully the, the word is on Santana that he's finally comfortable here. And uh, his bat will start to pick up. And he told the fans that, you know, you can question me now, but wait until September. Wait until we have a full season under our belts and then uh, take a look at his batting average and uh, RBIs and things like that. So if if that's any indication of the past couple games, I think we're going to be in good shape. And your first-year manager, Gabe Kapler, he got off to – legitimately a rough start uh pulled a couple of bad real bad plays but um he seems to have rebounded and he's got this team going in the right direction uh what about that he has seemed to have turned it around um a couple miss um i guess you could call it beginner's bad luck maybe in the beginning of the season he was embarrassed when he uh, went to bring in a reliever and the reliever wasn't ready to go he wasn't even up in the bullpen but a little communication problem on that but I think it got blown out of proportion a lot of fans in Philadelphia were uh, booing him especially on the first homestand of the year the vocal fans anyway not everybody but uh, those fans were heard from and it was reported upon that uh, he was booed. But I think a lot of that's been forgotten now. And with every game, it seems to me that uh, Kapler seems like he's picking up his confidence. Uh, he's getting into the mode of being a big league manager. He's never been a big league manager. So uh, I guess you could expect a few um, miscues coming out of the bullpen. 
bullpens and uh, miscues coming out of the dugout early on. But uh, all I've seen from him lately are, are perfect moves. Seems like he's settling into the job. And uh, for somebody that's never been a big league manager, he only has some uh, minor league experience. And that was like 11 years ago. Uh, so he, he really um, hasn't been a professional manager before. So I think he should have had a little better pass given to him in the first week of the season. But um, that's all been forgotten in Philadelphia so far. And who is his bench coach that that is with him? Um, his bench coach has a lot of experience. Um, let me just check. Um, believe it or not, I don't have the name up right now. I'm not not familiar with who that is, but it's somebody with a lot of experience, um, and they feed off of one another. That's what I've I've heard in interviews. Uh, things like that. So Kapler handpicked a lot of his um, field staff and replaced them. Um, but at this time, I don't have the bench coach's name up. Well, you know, we had a, a doozy of a mistake from our first year manager the other day. He uh, put in the wrong lineup. And, of course, uh, the fans have been up in arms and um, – we had to rant a little bit about it on this show, but uh, it, it's it's stuff that happens. But when you're going bad, it really uh, it really you know puts a spotlight on it, and and that's what happened, I guess, with Kapler. The the, the Phillies got off to a bad start, and then he on top of that he pulls this uh, you know lineup fiasco. Uh, not I'm sorry, not the lineup, but the bullpen thing, and. Uh, Wow, they jumped all over him for that. But as you say, he seems to have recovered nicely. And uh, definitely the Phillies have recovered nicely in the whole thing. And um, they're going to be tough. And they got some good young guys. You want to talk about some of the other young guys? Yeah, sure. Um, well, the Phillies bench coach, due to the magic of the Internet, I was able to bring it up while you were talking. <laughs> uh, his name is Rob Thompson. Uh, he's from the Yankees. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a Yankees bench coach for four seasons, uh, 2008, uh, and then he went from 2015 to 2017. So uh, apparently he recently interviewed for uh, a New York management position but didn't get it. So uh, he's a guy with a lot of experience, but they they preach that they want to feed off of one another. I was uh, listening to a lot of Kapler's interviews and uh, he doesn't want a yes man, he said. He wants somebody to uh, feed off of him if he doesn't feel like uh, he's doing the right job that, you know, say something to him. That's the sort of open dugout type of relationship that they have with the coaching staff. And that's the way it should be. I mean, uh, he's new. He's going to make these errors. You need somebody to catch it. Uh in the case of the Mets, nobody caught it, and uh, I still say that's what happens when you have an American League. Uh, you hire an American League uh, uh, manager or you know pitching coach, and a pitching coach for the American League, and the uh, bench coach for the American League, and you know they blow these uh, 
um, double switches because I don't think they understand it. And uh, a couple of times he had a lefty uh, pinch hit against a left-handed pitcher, and it was an easy out. And uh, I, you know, it's just it's you can hear it. I guess I'm so frustrated now that it's just uh, yeah very difficult. And then to watch the Phillies a little bit today. And see how they're doing, and and they're just moving the line along. They're not trying to hit everything out of the ballpark. And exactly. That, you know, um, they're going about it the smart way. They were down three nothing today um, into the fourth inning, and as you said, in the fourth inning they worked a walk, got a hit, scored a run, uh, and then I believe it was time for. Uh, uh, a couple more runs with a home run. So uh, the Phillies have, have worked quite well. As you were talking about a little earlier, I'll take you around the field with the Phillies uh, for 2018 here. The guys that you'll be seeing uh, with the Mets versus Phillies uh, series coming up, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, Jorge Alfaro is our catcher now behind home plate. He's showed some bat prowess in the last couple days um over at third base michael franco is still holding that role it was uh, rumored that the phillies were shopping him extensively in the offseason it's a shame the mets didn't uh have an idea to maybe pick him up he could have been a, an excellent addition to the mets and i think the phillies might have uh, dealt him very easily uh, over at short it's been a young guy, Mr. Kingery, Scott Kingery for the Phillies, uh, just came up out of AAA. He's really highly touted for the Phillies. He, he started off a little slow, uh, batting 214, and he hasn't been in in the last couple games. He's been used kind of sparingly off the bench, had a little bit of an injury the other night. So uh, Pedro Florimone has been filling in at shortstop as well for the Phillies. So you may be seeing either one of them in this series. Over at second base, um, it's been Cesar Hernandez. Uh, he's basically held that job this year. Um, some rumors were that Kingery would be your second baseman. Uh, he did come up with the team, but he's been platooning with, uh, believe it or not, out in left field with Rice Hoskins. Uh, who started off like a wildfire last year. If Mets fans remember, he had a bunch of home runs um, in just 50 games. So uh, Reese Hoskins there out in left field. And before I forget, Carlos Santana. You'll probably see him at first base. He does interchange at times with Hoskins. Hoskins will go back to first uh, very occasionally, but so far Santana has held that job at first. Out in right field, it's been uh, a platoon situation. Alan Altair, Aaron Altair has been a great player uh, for the Phillies so far this year. Uh, Nick Williams have been platooning with him out in right field. Uh, so far, a 206 batting average from Alan Altair. Um, four home runs and 19 RBIs. So he's, he's come through a lot with RBIs. He's been getting runners home, and that's what the Phillies have been needing for for quite a long time. Um, Nick Williams also uh, been put in to certain games as well. 
221 batting average, not setting the world on fire yet. Uh, and he only has five RBIs with one home run. So Williams has had quite a tough start, so to speak, in 2018. Uh, they're the two younger players on the team that are, are very good and highly touted. So um, Odubel Herrera, not much to say about him. You've seen him plenty of times and he's been a spark plug for the Phillies so far in 2018 he's been their go-to guy if I had to say uh, one player so far uh, he's currently in the lead of the NL in batting average if you can believe that at 353 uh, he's got 23 ribbies for the Phillies with five RBI so he's he's been coming through for the Phillies lately and uh Looking at the matchup, the pitching matchups for this weekend, it's, uh, as we said, Mats versus Arietta. Syndergaard's going to go against Eflin, and DeGrom is going to go against Aaron Nola, which should be a good matchup. Um, we talked about Nola. We talked about Arietta. What can you tell us about uh, Mr. Eflin, who will be pitching the Saturday game against Noah Syndergaard? Well, that's that's sort of a lop lopsided matchup <clears throat> as you said you would rather have uh, someone else facing Arietta maybe I'd rather have someone else facing Syndergaard but um, Zach Eflin had a great start his last start uh, he picked up a win he's got an 071 ERA with 13 strikeouts so it's been very much unlike the Zach Eflin we've seen uh, previously, uh, of course, everybody's ecstatic with what they've seen, but uh, I'm just looking over his um, batting average against New York hitters in the last five years. I'm loading that up as we speak here. And uh, a couple of the Mets hitters really hit him well, so I'm, I'm kind of worried with that matchup. Um, obviously, Syndergaard is probably... Um, you're one of your best pitchers going for the Mets, but uh, yeah, Zach Eflin. It'll depend which Zach Eflin shows up on <laughs> on Saturday night. Well, it's uh, you know uh, the way the Mets are are, uh, are playing lately, they they're liable to make him look like Cy Young in this weekend. So uh, I don't yeah, know if I'd be so worried about the. Uh, the matchup is they're just not hitting at all. It just uh, everybody's trying to hit the uh, fifteen run home run and uh, ends up in a lot of pop ups and a lot of strikeouts. So uh, I don't know. We said earlier in the show we were talking about uh, you know how they uh, they have to get their act together here. It's just uh, too much. It's it's they're losing too much ground too fast. And I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel right now. Yeah, and that's um, the interesting thing about the Phillies. Um, just bringing up some of those batting averages here uh, against uh, Eflin. Jay Bruce is batting 500 against him uh, in two at-bats. He has one RBI. Uh, Michael Conforto has a few at-bats against him, doing pretty well. Juan Lagares. Uh, so, you know... Um, I don't think you can throw in the towel as a Mets fan. Um, just a week ago, I felt the same way about the Phillies. They had <laughs> taken a uh, a train down 
on the roller coaster ride, so to speak. Uh, we faced the Marlins down in Florida. I thought it was going to be easy wins. It wasn't. They lost two out of three. Um, and that's baseball. It's just peaks and valleys. Uh, right now, the Phillies are, are going up on the top of the peak, and I'm sure there's more valleys that they're going to go down. But, um, yeah, it is a tough time when your team uh, takes those turns. It seems like nothing goes right. Problems, like you said, are accentuated and spotlights put on them. Uh, whereas if the team was doing well, it would just be laughed off. Mm -hmm. But uh, unfortunately, when they're not, it, it becomes a bigger deal. And it's just a wacky season overall. It, you know, with the struggling of the Dodgers, the Cubs are struggling, the Nationals uh, started off bad. And we talked together uh, about this on uh, the show that we do together called the Baseball Talk Radio Show, mm -hmm. uh, which is available at BaseballTalkRadio.com. Just a little plug in there. Um, <laughs> Thank <for> you. The show. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it, it, it is a wacky season so far, and uh, the problem is the Mets look like an old team, and it, they're not really that old, but they have some old players in key positions. And then you look at the Braves, you look at the Phillies, and they're such a young team, and, and they seem to be playing with so much enthusiasm because winning does that. And... Um, but again, they they they're happy that they take the walk. They move the line along, and I don't see that happening here right now. And of course, it's the philosophy of this organization is to hit home runs. So, and that's the way the team is built. And and it just comes back to haunt you when they when they don't hit, they look awful. Yeah, that's true, and and that's true with all major league teams. Uh, when the Phillies can't score runners, uh, and there's been a, a lot of those games, they're seven and ten away from Citizens Bank Park. But lo and behold, it was reported the other day, and I I had to take a double take because I wasn't looking at at the home and away standings. But the Phillies currently have the best home record in the National League at 15 and five. Um, right behind them is the Arizona Diamondbacks at 13 and six. But the only better team. And all of baseball and home are the New York Yankees well, at sixteen yeah, you and five. Had to mention them, huh? <laughs> but they uh, they've turned it around over there in the AL East. So I mean, there's hope. I I hate when when the Mets do bad because I know it drives you crazy, and that uh, <laughs> that's not good. It certainly does, and and it's just. <laughs> It's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. It's a, it's easy to be a Yankee fan. It's very difficult to be a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah, it's especially when they're struggling. Uh, and the Phillies, uh, I, I just talked with a, uh, a fellow Phillies podcast talker that does a show with me today uh, at great length. And, and we tried to put our finger on the success and he brought up a good fact that I hadn't even thought about. Two years ago, the Phillies had this kind of a start uh, in 2016. Then they went to interleague play it at almost around the same record. The Phillies are currently 22 and 15, and it all fell apart for them. So right now it's so young in the season. Uh, anything could happen. Um, 
So I, I say we just have to buckle our seatbelts in and go for this ride that is the MLB season. It's a very long season. There'll be peaks and valleys, and I'm sure, you know, despite uh, especially the Mets having some problems lately, um, the dark night being dealt away, uh, things like that, uh, that goes to disrupt a team, I think, Uh a guy like that moving away from a team in the manner that he did. And, uh, but, you know, hopefully the Mets will find their, their offensive ways. Uh, hopefully not against the Phils, but we'll see on this series. <laughs> That's usually my line. <laughs> well, Rich, uh, as usual, thanks so much for coming on. Tell the people where they can find uh, Phillies Talk. Thanks very much, Gary. You can find Phillies Talk podcast over at BaseballTalkRadio.com. You can download it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and over um, anywhere you can find uh, good podcasts. So uh, I'd like you to stop by over to Philly, Fightin' Phillies website as well. It's called Fightin' Phillies. That's F-I-G-H-T-I-N, Phillies, P-H-I-L-L-I-E-S.com. And uh, thank you very much, Gary. It was a great time being on your show and don't forget i told you this many a times maybe you have some first time listeners out there i have a soft spot in my heart for the mets as well i follow them every day well and thank you for coming on the show and i hope that your uh your soft spot there will serve as some sort of inspiration to the mets Hopefully over the weekend. <laughs> I know yeah. you you hope it doesn't start until uh, next week, but uh, we'll see. Let's let's hope they if they both play if both teams play good games. That's good enough. Absolutely. All right, Rich. Uh, great talking to you as always, and uh, I'll be back right after this. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of The Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webly.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. The Phillies and Mets rivalry has never been better. Hi, my name is Rich Baxter, and I host Phillies Talk Podcast. I hope you'll join me as we talk all about the Phillies all season long. That's Phillies Talk Podcast at fightinphillies.com. And now back to Gary Mack and this great edition of Mets Musings. Five one six six one nine six three four one. That is the comment 
voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com the facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings and the twitter handle is at metsmusings1 and uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show check out our patreon page check out the campaign at patreon.com slash metsmusings Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. And we're back. And uh, my thanks once again to Rich Baxter for coming on the show and doing a great job as usual. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. I'm not even going to go through the minor league report uh, tonight. Peter Alonzo still ripping it up in the Eastern League, so... Uh, could he possibly be here soon? Who knows? Uh, other than that, they got to get their act together. They got to put something together here. They have an opportunity in Philadelphia. Got to try to keep the ball in a ballpark from the Phillies and try to hit them out for the Mets. And, and please, somebody hit a ground ball base hit once in a while instead of hitting into the shift all the time. Go the other way. When's the last time we see ball players now go the other way? It's it's like that's becoming a dying art. Everything is a home run, a strikeout, and and that's why we've had so many no hitters already. Because these guys can't hit, and it's an epidemic in the game, and it's only going to get worse. So, uh, come on, Mets, put it together, get something done. And uh, take care of the Phillies uh, this weekend and then come home to play the uh, Blue Jays. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. And remember, it's going to be tough, but keep the faith. Stay optimistic. Let's go. Let's go.